Welcome to the Motherhood Reimagined podcast, where we celebrate all paths to motherhood. I'm your host, Sarah Kowalski. Whether you're contemplating becoming a single mother, trying to be one, or already raising kids, this is the place for inspirational stories, expert advice, and informative guides celebrating those who didn't follow the rules as they share the heartache and joys of their paths. Be informed, be inspired, because you do not need to feel alone. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Motherhood Reimagined podcast. Today marks the end of season one. It's been such a wonderful journey to be on with you, to hear all these women's stories. I invite you to re-listen to them and tell me your thoughts. Tell me what you want to hear more about. And I will be busy at work, starting work on season two in just a few short weeks. Please also don't forget about my programs. I have a Thinkers Triers support group, an Empowered Solo Mama pregnancy group, and a Making Bold Choices, whether you want to try and make a move abroad or somewhere in Mexico. You can always reach out to me, set up a free private 30-minute session to talk about my programs or just get some advice. Now let's get started with the show. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Reimagined podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Siege, who you may remember from episode two. She talked to us when she was pregnant, and now she is 13 months into being a mother, and I'm really excited to connect back with her and hear how it's going and what her perceptions on or perspective on single motherhood is now that she has a little one. Hi, Siege. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining me tonight. I'm so happy to be here. It's really great to have a chance to come back and reflect on the last year with you. Awesome. So I wanted to start with just hearing sort of what's the arc of motherhood been like for you? What's the first year? Can you give us like a summary of how your first year has gone? Yes. Well, I remember, I think when we first talked, I was a week from my due date and I was feeling great. And I actually went into labor on the night of my due date. I actually had gone out that evening (laughs) to a a birthday party pretty late, came back and started having contractions late that night. And my son was born, let's see, I guess, two nights later. And all in all, although I would say that actually giving birth is quite a treacherous process, that my my birth was quite smooth and uneventful in a good way. I definitely fully met all of my edges during the process, but came through with a unmedicated birth at the hospital and my son was healthy and happy and had a really smooth postpartum time and felt like he was a great sleeper and he was mellow and we had a a wonderful connection right off the bat. And in fact, it was kind of funny because in the early months, I felt like my life was completely under control. (laughs) Like my inbox was empty. My shelves were organized. Everything was like totally just so probably because he was sleeping and somehow I felt like I could kind of keep on top of my life. 
And then things started to become more challenging, probably around four months. He hit a sleep regression and then had some just, I I basically hit my point of exhaustion. And Mm. I would say from about four months, pretty consistently through him turning a year, it was really challenging. And I, I felt really underwater and started to experience a lot of these shifts of my identity, (laughs) for example, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling like in general, I was a a very, I'm a very confident person and things tend to, I have a strong sense of intuition. And I noticed that because I was so exhausted at times that my confidence and mental health was really compromised and that things that I thought would be really intuitive about parenting actually just weren't especially around what was happening with his sleep. He had a some kind of sleep disturbance that I honestly still haven't figured out. I wasn't sure if it was like an emotional issue or a more pain-related physical condition, but he would be up screaming for hours and mm. it seemed like not like his usual sleep pattern. And it eventually resolved itself just right around a year. And so wow. since then, things have improved dramatically for both of us. He's sleeping Mostly through the night, I'm sleeping much better. I'm feeling more rested, which means my mental health is much better. And I'm actually starting to enjoy parenting again. I would say that there were definitely a lot of moments where I I didn't necessarily feel that way. And I felt Mm -hmm. really underwater and and kind of like, wow, I really don't recommend this single parent thing. (laughs) In fact, I, I I would say almost like, once a week, I would have some arranged call with a woman who is interested in exploring single motherhood. And they found me through some connection and I'd agree to talk to them. And at moments I was like, oh God, I don't know if I'm the best person for you to talk to because I'm going to give you a pretty raw deal. And it was hard to share the challenge with you know, hopeful people. And yet at that time, you know, I never had regret, but now that I've come through to the other side and I'm sleeping better and I'm enjoying him and he's walking and talking and we're laughing and having fun. I I mm-hmm. feel, I guess, more confident again. <laughs> and mm-hmm. just like, yes, this is definitely worth it, though very challenging. So I'm I'm thrilled to have turned a corner and I'm sure there will be many more bumps along the way, but I, I feel like I survived. <laughs> um, and I kind of feel everyone keeps saying it's just, it's going to get easier. So, so far, all of the cliches have been true. So I'm trusting that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think it does get easier. So was the main thing that was really was kind of around sleep that neither of you was sleeping or what was the main thing that you think made it really hard and the main thing that made you turn the corner? I, you know, I do think that when, when I was exhausted, everything was just harder. I felt less resilient and Mm -hmm. my mindset was darker. And Mm -hmm. I I actually do think that is really related to lack of sleep. And so Mm -hmm. it's almost like the, the, the context or the conditions were altered in a way that made things look worse. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a, a certain 
state of mind to be sleep induced and see the world through that lens, everything looks pretty shitty, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt much more of my victimhood than I've ever felt in my entire life. I felt resentment. I felt irritable, confused, you know, wondering at times if I made the right decision. And yet, as I step back now, I can see that a lot of that was just because I was compromised in that way and didn't Mm -hmm. have the right kind of big picture and kind of feeling of having my nervous system be calm and relaxed. Mm -hmm. Just under stress, everything looks really shitty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then did you go back to work pretty early on or can you talk about what trying to go back to work has been like? Yeah. I went back to work, I think around when he was about four months and I was pretty ready at that point. Although, you know, I, I only went back working two long days and I'm still only doing two long days. So Mm -hmm. that's really different than going back working full time. And it's been a nice balance because I feel like I can, you know, have some time to really dive into my work, but not be doing it so much that I feel like I'm away from my child. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I like the balance. I I notice about myself that I definitely could not be a stay-at-home mom. And there's something about you know, putting on some real clothes and going into the city (laughs) that was really refreshing and exciting for me. Mm -hmm. And now I'm actually really reevaluating a lot about my life and my work. And now that I'm above water, looking more at the big picture of how I want to create my life in a way that feels sustainable and allows me to be the most present with my child. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what did your support network look like during this time? Were you able to get support or was it pretty hard to get the support where you wanted or how would you characterize that? Support. I mean, gosh, (laughs) such a... I kind of laugh. People ask me, so do you feel supported? And I kind of laugh because on one hand, I've got 100% all-in supportive parents. I've got an amazing therapist. I've got a huge community. I've got great mama friends. I've got the resources if I need to get extra self-care. And yet, yeah, there are times where I totally felt like I did not have what I needed at all mm-hmm. and and yet realized that I had so much more than your average person. So it's kind of a confounding question, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the way that I would answer that is my experience is really there is, you know, and it's hard to say this, but I, I got that there really is no replacement for another parent and there's mm. something about the the psychic load of being the only parent that really weighed on me. And mm-hmm. in some ways there, you know, there's no friend or even family member or caregiver who is a hundred percent responsible for my kid. And there's no one to share that burden with. And that was really hard, actually. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of what felt really trying for me in my first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can, yeah, understand that. I don't even have, I don't even have the support network, I feel like. So I get both pieces of, yeah. there's often, I have to pay for the help that I want. Plus that psychic load is yeah. tricky. Yeah. So would you give, have any advice for women around support and how to get support that they need? What comes to mind is actually mindset. 
Mm. What I noticed is that I have a, a negative belief that it's a burden for people to care for my child, even if it's someone I'm paying. And mm-hmm. that has been a real surprise for me and something that I'm still really working out internally. And so I think, you know, there's kind of what the actual external resources are, but then there's what we, how we talk to ourselves about how we use them and how much we think we can have them and ask for them. And that is actually even harder Mm -hmm. on some level, at least for me, than what the physical availability is of support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's incredibly true. Yes, that's a, a really good insight And I think you have a pretty, like you live with another family. Can you talk a little bit about why you chose that and how that's been going for you? Well, we, I live with another couple and also another friend who's also a parent part-time. And we've actually been living together for many, many years. So it just so happened that we moved towards the stages in our life where we we're having children and still living together. And it was actually part of what gave me the confidence to move forward as a single parent, because I knew that I already lived in a, in a community that was moving towards having children. And it's been a tremendous gift in my life. And there are a lot of benefits. One of them is just you know, having a space where we're focused on children as opposed to kind of single people hanging out, it it really is supportive to not be alone in that process. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot watching my roommates. They, their, their daughter is five months older. And so I think I absorbed a lot just through osmosis of how to care for a newborn and what the developmental stages are things that I would never have known if I had not lived with a child, a young Mm -hmm. child. So that was also a really great benefit. And one of the challenges has been, you know, living with a very happily married, high-functioning couple and in some ways seeing every day the the type of support that I don't have right in front Mm -hmm. of me, Mm -hmm. which can be really painful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. And has me really longing to live with other single parents and create a a community that's specifically focused around that orientation. Because there are particular things that particular needs that we have, particular experiences that we have that I think other people can't fully understand or relate to when they're not in that situation. Mm -hmm. And can you speak to any of those? Any come to mind? Well, one of them, and I've seen actually people write about this in the SMC community, but this, and I remembered, you know, watching other friends before I was a parent kind of how I related to them. There's this idea of like, if I'm struggling that because I chose this, that Mm -hmm. somehow it's not okay for me to still be having a hard time. So I could remember at times just being like, yeah, I'm having a really hard time and I don't want your pity, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like, or I don't want to be judged or I, you know, I wasn't sure if it was okay for me to be 
struggling because I chose to do this by myself. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to know like what is actually happening and what is just a projection, but that definitely came up. Mm-hmm. And the other is just around, you know, yeah, you know, there isn't really a break other than when there is childcare. And so, you know, watching, you know, my roommates, they get to alternate sleeping in on certain days. And <laughs> I'm like, I never get to do that. I'm always up at 6am or whenever my child wakes up. And so sleeping in is something that just is not part of my reality. And that's really different than someone who has the option to do it differently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And have someone to come at (laughs) 6am. Right. Right. Yeah. And do you guys share childcare? Do they ever sort of be like, Oh, we'll be one of us will be up. So we'll take. Yeah. That's been one of the best things is that I, I, I have built in evening childcare. And so Mm -hmm. I, can, you know, I can go out after I put him to sleep. And Mm -hmm. at this point, since he pretty much sleeps more or less through the night, you know, I can stay out as late as I want within Mm -hmm. reason and vice versa. And often we'll, we'll alternate. We'll be like, all right, it's your night out and I'll stay home and we'll give each other breaks. And that saves us a lot of money in childcare. <laughs> yeah. And then previously we actually were sharing a full-time live-in nanny. So that mm. was great to have someone there and it really reduced our expenses a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned, I think you're sort of contemplating, like, how could you build this with other single moms? Have you mm-hmm. taken any steps towards that or thought about how you might build that or what that might look like? Yeah, I'm I'm actually in deep visioning and contemplation about that right now. There's a good chance that my living community will transition by the end of the year. And I am actively you know, deciding if I'm going to stay in this house or move into a new home. And I'm definitely wanting to live with other single parents and create a a new community. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much what I'm thinking about 24 (laughs) seven. Cool. Well, keep us posted because I know there's a lot of people. I know I had rooms in my house when I was a mom and thought about many times trying to invite other single moms in. And I did have one single mom, but I never quite got there. And Mm -hmm. I, but I do know that it made life just having that, like, Hey, I'll take the kids today, or I'll be the one who stays, stays in once the kids are in bed is so enormously helpful. But I think, you know, finding the right people, the right space, all of that can be really difficult. And I know, I think it made me gun shy, just the fear of it not working out. Yeah. Even though I totally love the idea. And I think it's, I think it's a really beautiful, really practical option. So a little bit more on longing. I know when we talked to you last, you were talking, you were pregnant and you were so focused on your baby. You felt like a lot of that longing that you had had in the past for partnership had kind of died down a little. Mm-hmm. Where, where would you say you're at now on that front? Well, I've learned a lot in the last year as I have been dating 
Mm-hmm. I, you know, I first, I got involved with someone right around when I was four months old and, and then again, dated a different person starting at the beginning of this year. And I would say that my, for the most part, my longing has, you know, definitely came back and was strong, but I've learned that I've had to be a lot more particular and that I basically need to be relating with someone who is present and consistent and really fully available. And that there Mm. needs to be, my system needs to be calm and regulated and not on some roller coaster ride with Mm -hmm. a love relationship because it, I just can't hack it as a parent. It just Mm -hmm. spins me out and then that affects my son. So I have to be really thoughtful about who I get involved with and how. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what tips would you have for how to make that happen? How to find the people that are, or to know when to end it, to be with the people who are more consistent and don't sort of spin you out? And Or does it happen sort of organically because you're like, I cannot tolerate this because I know I need to be up at 6 a.m. and beyond. Yeah. I mean, I I think the main thing is that person really needs to understand what it means to be a parent. Ideally, they are a parent and they get what the up at 3 a.m. with a crying baby looks like. And that they have compassion and they even have some capacity to to help out and be supportive. And, you know, with this last relationship, actually part of what ended it was that we had different parenting approaches at 3 a.m. when the baby was crying. And that was really eye-opening for us that we were moved to respond in different ways. And mm-hmm. in some ways it it showed me, oh, this is what couples go through in a way that I hadn't experienced mm-hmm. because I don't mm-hmm. have a partner. I'm like, oh, that's really hard. You don't know until it's happening how you're going to respond to a given situation. And it can be very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was definitely a deal breaker for you, the amount it, of difference it, yeah, between your responses. Was. On that Uh front, it was, and I couldn't have expected it. So a lot of it is just trial and error and going through the process of experiencing different relationships and learning for yourself what works and what doesn't. I'm not sure that anyone can really tell you. You kind of have to be willing to try it out and see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the right person will want to keep showing up and, you know, someone who just doesn't have the bandwidth to deal, deal with the particular day-to-day, hour-to-hour of a parent with a young child, it's, it's going to come out eventually how, mm-hmm. that, how that's going to go. So <laughs> there's no hiding because when you're tired and raw and the baby's crying, there's no hiding. All the true colors are shown. <laughs> Yeah. The contrast between like wishing, I feel like there's been a lot of longing and wishing for that second set of hands that is a parent mm-hmm. that's not hired. Yeah. Uh, and yet this contrast of like, holy crap, you wouldn't know until you were fully in it, whether or not they were like, whether it's like simpatico for like your parenting. So where does that leave you on sort of becoming a single mom? Do you feel like this, do you think there's advantages? Like in, in the end, is it, is one feel like it's a easier or 
I don't want to use the word better path than the other, but I don't, I can't think of the yeah, other word. I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if there's really better or worse. I think for me, it's just really about the unfold, how my life is unfolding. And, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately on some level, do I wish I had a partner? Absolutely. On mm-hmm. another level, do I wish that I waited for that? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And I trust that this is all happening in the right way for the right reasons and still have hope that eventually there will be someone who is a partner in my life. And there certainly are benefits and there certainly are challenges to being a solo parent. So it, it kind of just is what it is. Honestly. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, you know, would I say I recommend it? Like not necessarily. Would I say that, you know, your soul may have a deep longing to be a parent and this is what needs to happen to have that unfold in your life? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in some ways I feel like it was a choice and in other ways I did, I, I didn't, it was just what I needed to do to have a child. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you also, when we talked last, you were talking about how you got pregnant really easily and mm-hmm. you were feeling really confident and like a lot of ease around the idea of giving birth and early motherhood. And you were taking, and that also a lot of like things just sort of blossomed in your life at that time. And then it felt like it was like, okay, yeah, this is a sign that it's, that this is correct. What's your reflection on that now? I don't necessarily feel that same flow in my life. I feel like I'm actively having to make hard decisions to create more ease and flow in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And that that's taking a lot of attention and effort on some level. You know, who knows? It may have just been the pregnancy hormones talking. <laughs> There's something to that, Uh but I'm glad that it was useful and right, you know, wonderful. Like, (laughs) I think there are times in our life where that feels true and times in our life where that's not the case and that's just life, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then we also talked a lot last time about how you felt like you had made the choice to be a single mom without a ton of thought about Uh what it would be like for your kid to actually be born and raised without a father. And that you even had like a, I can't remember if it was a date or just a meeting with someone who really reacted very strongly to the idea of you bringing a child consciously into the world without a father. And that you felt like you just hadn't reflected on that as much as maybe you could have beforehand. Have you reflected more? And where do you stand on that question now? I have reflected more and... I noticed that I I had a, a strong intention to really have a coherent story to share with him early and often as mm-hmm. we were guided. <laughs> um, and that I I haven't I noticed that I that hasn't fully clarified itself to me like what what the story is that I'm going to tell my son. And I do think about what it will be like for him as he grows up. I certainly have wonderful men in my life and, you know, he, he lives with two men in our home. So in some ways he, he gets exposed to male energy, which is wonderful. 
But, you know, it, it came up recently as I consider, you know, where do I want to live long term mm-hmm. and thinking about are there communities where there will be other different types of family systems that he could feel, you know, more in the good company of and, you know, or will I be in a community where there might be more two parent normative families and what would that be like for him? Um, it's certain, you know, it's something that came to mind as I consider where I want to land. So I wouldn't say that it's resolved. I don't know that it ever will be. I'm curious mm-hmm. to see what comes up. We'll see. It's not, it's not clear to me. That makes sense. Yeah, it's very early. I imagine it's a constantly evolving inquiry for oneself and for how it's showing up for our kids. Mm -hmm. And he's still young enough that, you know, he's not necessarily consciously (laughs) aware (laughs) of a difference as as Mm -hmm. he gets older. That will shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to add before we close? Well, I guess I I would say that I am really glad to be a parent. I mm. when I think about if I had made a, a different choice and decided to not go through with this and if I were potentially still single and not a parent, I I can see that I would be missing out on this whole new world. We often call it the secret club of parenthood. (laughs) And it really feels that way. It feels like whenever I meet parents now, I'm like, wow, yeah, we get to talk about this experience that's so wild and (laughs) you can't really understand unless you're actually a parent. And there's an immediate bond and we can commiserate about the challenges and the joys. And I'm really grateful to have this opportunity, even though in some ways it's totally kicking my ass. <laughs> and and I knew that that's what I was asking for, but I do think that it's worth it. And I do think it's worth it to be doing it as a single parent, though really challenging. And mm-hmm. there's something about being in the rawness of life and Another interesting thing about that is I, you know, as a, a white woman, I recognize that I've had a lot of privileges and I've noticed that as a single parent, it's, there is this way that I almost feel like I'm experiencing like a kind of a, a different facet of being a human, almost like I feel like a minority now. Mm-hmm. And that's giving me a new perspective on what all different types of people experience in their own unique minority situations as humans. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that too, because it opens my eyes in ways that I may not have if I had been in a more normative, married, had a male partner and a kid scenario. So that's something I actually think a lot about. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if people have written about that but it's something I've considered writing about and it's mm-hmm. it's also touchy subject because I'm still on some level a white woman with a mm-hmm. lot of privilege who had the choice to do this and yet you know I hear people as I walk down the street you know having random conversations oh but he had a single mom and there's this kind of like thing about being a single mom, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and sometimes it hurts a little bit, you know, 
so I'm, I'm working that out, like mm-hmm. what, it, what it means to be a single mom and figure it, you know, weaving that into my identity, hopefully in a way that's empowering rather than disempowering, but mm-hmm. it's a work in progress. Yeah. 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 Definitely the media and I think society, a lot of society's ideas around single moms are not kind. That's for sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's tricky. What advice would you give to women if they're in sort of that first year or even postpartum period where they're feeling like motherhood is kind of kicking their butts? What advice would you give to them about either how to get through it or where you've ended up? Mm-hmm. I would remind them that sleep deprivation really shifts your perspective and to really take that seriously that you your mind isn't working right you're you know you can't think straight you're you're really compromised and to not take too seriously the thoughts and experiences and the meaning that you might be making in a moment where you're exhausted and not even realize that you're as exhausted as you are and once you come out and get some more rest that you may see things a little bit differently. <laughs> that was a big one for me. I had to mm-hmm. keep remembering that over and over and over. Again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, from what I can tell, it does get easier. Everyone's been telling me that. And so far that has been true. And yeah, I, I think there is something about the the deep shattering and breaking and falling apart and that on some level, you know, that's where the light comes in, that there's something deep being carved out of our capacities to meet those moments and that it's totally okay if you're falling apart and let let yourself go with it rather than fight it. I think it allows it to be more graceful. And, you know, I, I think it's important for us to all have permission to talk about how hard it can be and to find people who you feel safe exploring that with, whether it's a friend or a therapist, another mother, a parent, because there is some taboo around that in our society. And I feel like I, I really want to be an advocate for mothers speaking the hard truth and and not feeling judged or shamed for that and that it's actually important in our healing process to have a chance to express what's hard and feel heard and honored and respected for the hard work that we do as parents it's it really does feel like one of the toughest jobs on earth at times and yet it's so undervalued yeah that is so incredibly important <laughs> and so true. And thank you so much for joining us, Siege. It's been so wonderful to talk and connect. I know it's been a rough year for you, but we so appreciate hearing the ups and downs and your wisdom. And we would love to hear from you again in the future. Thanks again. Bye, Sarah. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, bye. Right, take care. Thanks so much for joining me today. It was such a pleasure to hear from Siege. I really love having a return guest and it feels very appropriate as the end of season one. So thanks again for all your support, all your reviews. Please spread the word. We will be back in a few weeks for the start of season two. It's been such a joy to listen to all these stories from brave, wonderful, independent women. And I really hope you've enjoyed it too. Please send me your feedback. You can write to me at sarah at motherhoodreimagined.com. Let me know what you've liked. 
what I could do more of, less of. Just keep all the feedback coming. I love being in contact with you. Remember, I have a Facebook group, a private Facebook group, Motherhood Reimagined Support. You can find us there and continue the conversation. I can't wait to see you in season two. Thanks so much. Bye.